Why do we believers in Christ sing when we get together? Maybe if we discover a biblical answer to this question, it will help us work through the debates about style and form. Let's join our study leader, Dave Wurtson, as he continues our discussion of Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20, and applies them from, of all places, an Old Testament passage from 2 Chronicles. Dave? Music, according to the New Testament, was one of the most powerful tools that the first century church used in order to be filled with the Spirit, not filled with the spirits of alcohol, but filled with the Holy Spirit. It was one of the most powerful tools that they used to allow the Word of God to be injected into the very center of their being. Now let's go back, back into the state Old Testament. I want to look at one context of why they sang. I want to talk to you about some of the reasons why we should sing. And the first reason I want to look at, look at, it's not the first chronologically in the Old Testament, but the first reason I want to put at the top of the list, the reason why we should sing is to celebrate the presence of God among us. One of the reasons why we should sing is that God is truly among us. He is on the throne, high and lifted up. And he's ruling over all of heaven and earth. And the Psalms close with this, with the symbol of crashing and everything else. And the Psalms are declaring, he is the king, he is the Lord, he is ruling. The book of Revelation is going to close the same way. He is king of kings. The handle's Messiah. And you get to that exciting part when you hear, king of kings. Everyone, man, you want to just lift the roof, right? That's because it's biblical. That's because it's the truth. Now, I want you to see that they did that. And at the dedication of the temple was a a special time in the history of Israel where the presence of God came among them. And I want to set the stage. So let's turn back, and this time we'll look at uh, 2 Chronicles, the chronicler's perspective of the dedication of the temple under Solomon. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and the scene is the temple that Solomon built for the Lord God has just been completed. It says in verse 2 of 2 Chronicles chapter 5 that then Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel. So all the, the governmental leaders gathered together in Jerusalem. All the heads of the tribes gathered as well. The chiefs of the Israelite families. I want you to notice that Israel was divided up. They took 2 million people and divided it up into 100,000s, 10,000s, thousands, all the way down to ten. And I want every one of you dads to realize that you would be one of the leaders in Israel because Israelite leadership brought it right down to the daddies in their home. And what the chronicler is saying is that from the leaders of 100,000 to the leaders of thousands to the leaders of 10, all the way down to individual families, all the heads of the families came. It says that Solomon gathered all the chiefs of the Israelites' families to do what? To bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Zion, the city of David. And all the men of Israel came together. And all the men said, one of the things I want to really encourage you in is that this biblical thing is not just for the girls. And it's something we really want to stress. You girls... Are, are very intimate with the Lord. In fact, a lot of times, I don't think the Lord needs to talk to you quite as much as he talks to the guys because your hearts tend to be much more sensitive and much more quick to understand the things that really count. 
Another part of it is that Satan really understands the way human dynamics are, and he tries to suck the men away from worship. He tries to suck the men away from fellowship, which will explain one of the major emphases in our church and why we really try to train the men and to help the men to grow in their spiritual godliness because they are very important in the plan of God in setting the tone for family. And every one of the women that are living close to the Lord hunger for that. They long for their husband to take that kind of an initiative. And I want you to see that that was not just an initiative of the New Testament, but it went way back here in the Old Testament as well. As you study the initiative of worship in the, among the children of Israel, the men took the lead. The men would gather together. And they were real strong in the priority of this. Very, very strategic. It said, all the men of Israel came together to the king at the time of the festival of the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark of the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings. The priests who were Levites carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not record or count how many they were sacrificing. So it's an incredible meeting. So we set the scene. The Ark of the Covenant has been brought up. It's been placed into the Holy of Holies. Thousands of people are gathered outside. They begin to sacrifice rams and bulls and goats, all the animals that should be sacrificed at the Feast of Tabernacles that we've been studying, the final fall feast in the Israelite calendar. You say, Dave, I thought you were talking to us about music. Look what it says in verse 17. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. They withdrew from the holy place. This is the holy of holies because the Shekinah glory of God was beginning to come down upon it. It says, and all the priests that were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, and then it names them all, Asaph, Heman, Jedathan, and their son and relatives, stood on the east side of the altar. And I want you to, if you like art, if you're into, like some of you really like festival and you like like the, the opening ceremonies of the Olympics and you like the closing ceremonies and you like all the pomp and circumstances of a great Christmas celebration. Well, this has that feel. You've got thousands of people gathered together. It says to the east side of the altar, you've got several hundred of these men dressed in fine linen. So you've got this group over there that's dressed in these brilliant, shining, white linen garments. And then it says this. What were they doing? It says that they were playing cymbals. And all the young people said... Okay, that's the percussion section. A lot of you might not realize how music is put together. The foundation of music, most of you do know this, but just think about it. Do you know that the beginning of music is... Kaboom, 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 kaboom. Try to, have, try to have a band without the drums. You know what happens to a band without the drum? Everybody goes and goes their own way. In the orchestra of God, God is a musician and he understands those of you that have studied music and those of you that are into music, one of the things I want to do is to set you free. Because we are losing our drummers. Our drummers go and play for someone else. 
Our drummers use their drums not to bring glory to God. They bring glory to you know who. You know why? Because a whole lot of those kids, when they were little guys and they were sitting in Awana and they were always going like this and everything, were always telling them, would you sit down and be quiet? You're driving me nuts. And man, you need to be obedient here. And we've got this guy, I mean, he's got rhythm, he's going like this and everything. We ship him off. Because rather than realizing, man, we've got the potential percussion section developing here. And man, we need to get this guy some sticks and we need to start to communicate to him, hey man, you can use all that, that, that pulsating rhythm inside of you for the glory of God. And adults, those of you that are growing older, I want to share something with you. You need some percussion. You say, why is that? Because you're going to end up in your lazy boy sound asleep. And you're going to waste the whole final 15 years of your life snoozing. Because you're sleeping. And the young people pounding on those drums are going to wake you up. And you need to wake up because those little guys need you. They need your maturity. They need your lessons of life. They need you. And I, I know it's hard, but it's so important. I want you to realize you're a biblical person, aren't you? And I want you to realize, I want you to stop and think. You've got all these guys with symbols in their hand. Kaboom! What is symbol? You know what symbols sound like? They are loud. Little kids love cymbals. If you have a person that's not much a musician, just hand them some cymbals. <laughs> you know, every kid can be taught how to play the cymbals. And you can even have the guy sitting next to him that can count. Just kick him when he's supposed to go boom. And he's in. Okay? So the orchestra of Israel had a percussion section for some things to be able to feel the excitement. Percussion is what helps us to feel the excitement. Now, there's all different emotions in music, but the rhythm lays the foundation. There's all different kinds of rhythms, soft, slow, easy, driving, all different kinds. And I want you to realize that the Lord God of heaven is the one that created all of those foundations, all of those beats. And he made them not to be used by the evil one, but to be used to pulsate the truth of the living message of Christ. But there wasn't just a percussion section. Percussion gets kind of old after a while. You need a little bit more added to that. You need harps and lyres. Now this is where you have the sweetness. Rhythm's what lays the foundation. It's like the concrete of music. Lays the foundation. But in order for it to be beautiful, you need lyres and harps. That's where the strings come in. One of the things that a lot of the contemporary musicians ask my older brother to do is after they lay down their percussion track, they ask Don to come in and write violins and strings. And they'll get some of the best violinists in the land to come in and record, and they take the percussion and they lay strings over the top of that. Because the string is what produces the, the, the harmony and the, the beauty and the flowing. Like if you use like... Um, one of those new keyboards, when you, pl when you switch it off, which you can do easily, you can switch from one sound to the next, you can switch to the violin sound. And it's, it has that nice, soothing, and gentle sound. So that's the next part. So in guide orchestra, some of you are fiddle players. And some of you are, are learning to play the guitar. And by the way, just talking specifically, a lyre is like a harp. One of the most beautiful praise services I was ever in, and Mary and I were able to enjoy this together, uh, at, at a meeting in Dallas, they brought a, a professional, believing harpist in. Have you ever heard 
an incredibly gifted harpist, for example. This guy had wandered far away from the Lord and just wandered into a life that was destroying him. He was one of the most gifted harpists in our land, and he, he played his harp for the kingdom of darkness. He traveled all over, he was incredibly gifted. And uh, his wife was from the same kind of a, ba- a background, just terribly involved in all kinds of the wrong side, drugs and immorality and everything. And then the Lord God saved him. And one of the things I'll never forget about that night is just the, the, the basic, honest fullness of his union, of his love response to God with his love response through his music to the audience that he was speaking to. In fact, he was at a, it was really a kind of a mixture. It was a, just a business gathering. And so he did several secular songs. But right in the middle of it, he says, I just got to tell you what's really changed my life. And he gave his testimony about how Christ had come in. And he told about his past and how he was almost right at the jaws of death. And his wife was involved in, in a kind of a sin that there was no way to be able to get out of it. And then the Lord God saved this precious couple. And then he just took that harp and he, and he led the group in praise music to the glory of God. And it was one of the most moving times of praise they've ever had. He combined skill, incredible skill, incredible speed. He did things with a harp I never dreamed you could do with a harp. He could play the percussion section and everything else right on his harp and put the strings and the percussion all together just himself. And he brought together the gift of the lyre. In fact, he even played for us an old lyre. He had, in his, he had a harp that had been built from in Israel. He said, I don't know what it sounded like because God didn't do any CD recordings of King David playing. But as a harpist, this is kind of what I think David might have played. As a, as a skilled harpist with this instrument, this is what I would do. What a time, what a moment to be able to share in that. So some of you might want to learn to play, play the harp. That's not an instrument that's around very much, but in God's orchestra, in the Old Testament especially, they had lots of harps and lyres. It says they were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. And all the brass people said, how many, how many think that's quite? Have you ever heard 120? How many was it? Yeah, 120 trumpets. And that is a, that is a big brass section, okay? So you got the percussion, you got the string, and now you got the brass, and now you got the whole orchestra going together. And so some of you kids are going to be learning to play brass, and what I want you to realize is that you need to play brass for the glory of God. There's one of the things I want you to really think about, and I want the young people to think about, and I want some of you that are older, a lot of you sing. You know one of the greatest needs of believing singers? To get beyond just the technique to get beyond just whether or not you're singing the right words with the right tone but the really skillful communicators in the world and Satan has a whole bunch of them that can really do it they get beyond that and they sing from their soul the blacks call it soul music Because when a black singer sings, they sing from the very center of their being. And something begins to happen in an audience when somebody begins to pulsate from the deep caverns of their personality what they believe. And you know what? That's true even in some of the most extreme forms of rock. Right now, 
There's an alternative rock that's rocking our land. And it's the sound. They themselves say it's the sound of broken homes. It's the sound of moms and dads that weren't there in the morning. It's the anguish of the fact that I'm all alone and nobody cares. It's the anguish of the fact that I probably will never have what my mom and dad have. And these young artists began to put that to music. And it's selling into the millions. You know why? Because they've connected a message that's from their heart. But you know the deep sadness of that? There's no hope in their, in their sound. There's no life in their sound. Just like the artists in the 60s, some of their major artists have already overdosed. They've already gone. They've already not made it to 30. And what I want you to do is, as the people of God, I want you to be like these, these hundreds of singers. One of my major purposes today is I want to open up this book and begin to show you that you can drum, you can do percussion for the glory of God. You can play guitar and harps and violins and other strings for the glory of God. You can grab your trumpet and a Phil Driscoll in the Church of Jesus Christ does not have to go out there into the world and sing a totally different message and play a totally different message. I want to create a church family where from the time that our, our little guys are just beginning, they will be freed up in their body and in their soul and their spirit to make music for the glory of God. And I want singers. I want singers. And when we sing as a congregation, I want you to think of yourselves as being like all of these priests that learn to sing and do it skillfully for the glory of God. So you had this whole choir. They were accompanied by 120 priests and the trumpets. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison. It was all as one. As with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang. Now I want you to look at those verses. They're really important. It says here that they sang in unison. You know, one of the reasons why we sing together is because music, like athletics, forces you to learn to play together with someone else. Like, I'll just be really concrete with you. Like, if Mary and I, like, when Mary begins to play the piano and I'm playing the guitar, sometimes we fight each other because we're not into the flow yet. You say, why do you do that? Because she has her feel and I have my feel. And if we're going to do it together, then I have to listen to her sound and I have to submit myself. And you know what? It's not just, you don't think like she's doing four, four time. Let's do four, four time. It's not like that at all. It's a feel. It's a feel. But what ancient Israel learned, what we need to grow in, Israel learned to sing together as one. They learned to sing together, yielding to one another, just like one instrument. And it's one of the greatest thrills that you ever have happen in singing. And those of you that are artists and those of you that are musicians, I want you to see that that was in the worship of God, the Old Testament. Now we close with what happened. 
How did God respond to this? Did he smack the book closed and say, I'm out of here, man. They played cymbals. They played trumpets. It's too loud. You know, I didn't like... Look what, look what God did. I love this. They sang. This is the words they sang. He is good. And his loyal love endures forever. What words? This whole choir with the cymbals crashing, the trumpets going, you can hear this thunderous, beautiful, unified voice. He is good. Amen? He is good. And his loyal love endures forever. Doesn't his love endure forever? How many of you know some loves that haven't endured? I, I know a lot of loves. Friends, people that I thought would always be there. We go back through life, there's a lot of love that doesn't endure. The young people especially remember, man, they had some loves. They thought it was till death do its part just last week, and it ended. A lot of loves don't last, but his love, our reason to sing, his love endures forever. And notice it says this, then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because the cloud, for the glory of the Lord, filled the temple of God. Why should we sing? I think we need to sing because I think that the Lord uses music to fill the temple of God with his glory.